0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now, here's Pastor Fraser with today's message.
1: How many people remember King David? Dignified David. I mean, a king's got to be pretty dignified, right? King David, dignified David, you know, when the ark of God came into the camp, which represented the glory of God, the presence of God. When that ark came in there, man, David was feeling that glory. He was feeling that manifested presence of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. And he just, he just, uh, just lost it. He just lost it. He just, he just lost all his dignified self. And just started dancing. The Bible says he was whirling around. Just whirling around. Took off his kingly robes. Just in front of everybody, just whirling around out there. Just like a little kid. Just like a little kid, just whirling around in the presence of God. And most, I think most of Israel were excited about it, probably out there dancing with him. They were all shouting and celebrating the presence of God. But you see, then there was this one religious woman that stayed back in the castle. She stayed back in her church, in her castle, and she's looking through the window. See, she's looking through the window out there at what's going on, and she sees her husband out there whirling around, dancing, and she was appalled. She was embarrassed. She was ashamed to even look at that, let alone actually get out there and do that. She wouldn't go go anywhere near acting like that. She was too religious for that. She was too dignified. She was too into herself for that. But Dave was out there, whirling out. see, they're just enjoying the presence of God. She's on the outside looking in. And the Bible says, you got to watch that place of being on the outside looking in. Because the Bible says that the things of the Spirit are foolishness to the carnal mind. Their foolishness to the natural mind. So if you're on the outside, just in the flesh, because that's on the outside, right? We're supposed to be where? On the inside. We're supposed to be operating out of our spirit, not out of our flesh, not out of our feelings, our emotions, and our, and our thoughts, our reasonings. We're supposed to be operating out of our spirit, out of our inner being. We're looking from the spirit at what God's doing. And then, man, it's, it's, it's real to us. That's where faith is. Faith is of the heart. Faith isn't of the flesh. And so that's where there's, there's faith, and thus there's excitement. There's expectancy. God gets to move, and you get to moving with him. Right? Spirit of God gets to move, and you get to moving with him. God gets happy. We get happy. Hallelujah. God moves in power. We're moving in power. That's, that's, that's just what we do. When we're in the Spirit, That's we're expecting. We're expecting. We're expecting God. God's real to us. But you see, the more in the flesh you are, just kind of looking in, the more judgmental, critical you'll become of the things of the Spirit. That's a sad place to be. I say, that's a sad place to be. We see it on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. How many people know uh, today is the day of Pentecost? Yeah, You you don't hear much of that in the body of Christ. You know, if it was Easter Sunday... Now, see people, people recognize Easter Sunday they say, oh yeah, it's Easter Sunday. And everybody gets excited about Easter Sunday. Or you know, Christmas time, the birth of Jesus. Oh yeah, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, and you know, that's a holiday. And everybody gets excited about that. But I got news for you. The day of Pentecost is more important and more powerful than Christmas or even Easter. It's more important than the birth of Jesus. It's more important than the crucifixion of Jesus. It's more important than the resurrection of Jesus. That's right. You're looking at, Some of you look like my puppy when she hears a strange sound. I mean, your heads are tilted. Did he really just say that? Did he really just? See, this is why we got to get our minds renewed. This should be the greatest holiday for Christians of all. And yet it's the most neglected of all. It's the most neglected. You say, well, how how could it be greater than the birth of Jesus? How could it be greater than the crucifixion of Jesus? How could it be greater than the resurrection of Jesus? I'll tell you how. It's because Pentecost is why Jesus was born, why Jesus died, why Jesus rose from the dead. It was so that we could have Pentecost. Pentecost. His coming was not the ultimate. His coming was to bring about the ultimate, which was the coming of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of our lives. Where you and I would be infused with the power of God that rested upon Jesus. So that we would have the same power, the same Spirit, the same grace on our lives as Jesus walked in. Come on somebody. That's what you and I... Are to have. That's why he came. That's why he came. So his purpose was fulfilled when the day of Pentecost had fully come. The Spirit of God was poured out. He couldn't have been poured out unless Jesus did what he did. Jesus did what he did so we can have what we have today on the day of Pentecost. Which is the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. It is the most important holiday for Christians. We should be so excited to celebrate this day. Hallelujah. Because it is a reminder of what God did to us, what he gave to us, how he transformed our lives by giving us the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God upon our lives. Woo! That's what God has done for you. Now, but again, if you're on the outside, and unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of Christians, they're on the outside, man. They're, oh, they're still stuck in the castle. They're stuck in tradition. I mean, there's a group out there, right there with the ark of God, the presence of God, out there with King David, and they are having themselves a celebration just dancing around, the kings whirling. I mean, I mean, the blessing of God was coming upon their lives. David blessed everybody. I mean, it was powerful. And then you got folks sitting in the background just kind of watching and judging. And then David, he, comes, he has to come home to that, you know. It's a sad thing. He had to come home to that. I mean, he's all pumped up, and he's ready to just bless his family, bless everybody. And he walks up to his wife, and his wife looks at him and says, How glorious was the king of Israel today uncovering himself in front of all the base folks all the base people and David looked at her and said it was before the Lord see she didn't know anything about that, she's still stuck in tradition over there, she's still stuck in the flesh, she's still stuck over there in in herself thank God we can get out of ourselves I'm telling you what, the greatest deliverance a person can have is deliverance from themselves to get out of yourself, to get free of me. Oh, that's the greatest freedom of all, to get free of me. Me with all its cares, all its worries, all its doubts, all its fleshiness. Oh, thank God we can get free of me. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, Halloween, just ask the Lord, say, Lord, help me me. to be free free. Of of me and just be into you. Oh, hallelujah. And he is good. He is good. So let's just get into God. Let's just get into God because in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That's what being in him is all about. Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. But again, Acts chapter 2. Why don't we go there? Let's look at the day of Pentecost. Acts the second chapter. Now, Uh, the day of Pentecost that we're referring to here in the New Testament in Acts chapter 2. Actually, the feast of Pentecost is what it comes from. It was a Jewish festival where they were instructed by Moses to celebrate the, uh, it was called the Feast of Weeks, where they were to celebrate the end of harvest. They were celebrating the end of harvest, and Pentecost actually means 50 in the Greek. Penta, you think of a pentagram. It's like a five-pointed star. Pentecost, so it means 50, and it marks 50 days from Passover under the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant. But it was just a type and shadow of what was to come under the New Covenant. And it's amazing that the past the Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover, but also under the new covenant, it happens 50 days after Easter, after the resurrection of Jesus. That's how perfect this type and shadow worked. It happened 50 days after Easter. That's where we are right now. We're 50 days after Easter. That's why today's the day of Pentecost. And it was on that day that the disciples were waiting, the 120 were waiting in that upper room, waiting on God, and they were praying, they were seeking God's face, they were studying the scriptures. And then suddenly, the Bible says, Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah, I love suddenly, don't you? Yes. Suddenly, now, see, uh, they were expecting this to happen. But they were in awe when it happened because... They didn't really know all that was going to happen. They just knew God was coming. God was going to do something. But they didn't know what it was. And when it happened, they were no doubt in awe of it. But they were not shocked. They were actually prepared and ready for it. See, you got to get ready. I said, you got to get ready. See, we we don't want to just live in the flesh, live in the flesh, live in the flesh. And then just kind of hope that the Spirit of God just falls upon us. And we respond to him. And we yield to him. And he's able to work powerfully in and through our life. Because he might not be able to do it if you're too into yourself. If you're too in the flesh. If you're not looking for him. If you're not in expectation. If you're not living your life in faith. Living your life in the spirit. God can go right by you like a rushing mighty wind. And you miss the whole thing. It can happen. In fact, you can actually stand there and end up mocking those that are getting blessed. Be right there in the middle of a move of God. Somebody's life is getting transformed. God's doing something amazing. And then folks just stand there and and mock and ridicule and laugh because they they don't quite understand that. See, we never want to be caught off guard when God's moving. We want to move with him. Are you hearing me? When God gets to moving, we just move right with him. We're just right in step with him. Glory to God. Because we're training ourselves to do that. That's why these disciples, they're praying. Jesus told them, them, now here's what's going to happen. The spirit, my spirit, I'm going to pour my spirit out on you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So they knew generally what was going to happen. They didn't have the specifics. They didn't know exactly when. They didn't know what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. They didn't know the details of it. So what did they do? They just got themselves ready. They just began to pray. For the next 10 days, they were just praying, praying. I say 10 days because after Jesus rose from the dead, there was 40 days of him coming and going and, and meeting with them and talking to them and giving them instructions. Again, helping to prepare them. How I many you know, Jesus is the Word made flesh. So man, they had the Word. They had the Word ministering to them. The Word was talking to them. The Word was getting them ready. And, and so after Jesus ascended into heaven, then they just went into praying. They're just praying, and they're just getting things in order. They're getting things ready. And like I said, they don't know the details of exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, but they're determined to be ready. See, that's how we need to be. We need to be looking to be ready. We're living in the last days. God wants to do glorious things through his people, through the body of Christ. It isn't business as usual. We can't let it be business as usual anymore. We got to realize that God has called us to the kingdom for such a time. As this. This is our time to shine. This is what Isaiah saw in chapter 60 where he said, Arise and shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness, gross darkness shall cover the earth, but the Spirit of God will rise up upon you and His glory will be seen upon you. He's going to manifest on you in the midst of this gross darkness. People are going to see the glory of God on your life. Rise up. Shine forth. Be bright with the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to step into it. This belongs to us. This is ours. This is our time. This is our moment. This is is our generation. What are we going to do? Are we just going to pass through like other generations have done and fail to do what God has sent us here to do? No, 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 no. We're going to accomplish what he's called us to do. We're finding the perfect will of God. We're fitting into his plan. We're preparing ourselves. We're making ourselves available for him to be able to move and function through our life. Man, I don't want to live a carnal, fleshly life. Do you? Do you? Let's see, a lot of folks don't know. That's why I only got two no's. No, no, that's about all I heard. There might have been more. But it wasn't a roaring no. No! That's what you... No, carnal life, no! Not me. No, 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 man. I need a spiritual life. I need to be full of the Holy Ghost. I need the glory of God. That's what I've been created for in Christ Jesus. This is what God meant me for. That's why I'm still here on the earth. It's to shine through this darkness. And it's getting thick. I said, it's getting thick. And if the church doesn't rise up and do what it's supposed to do, uh, there's a lot of things that are going to take over. Just begin to take over. And freedom will just diminish from the world. It'll just diminish from the world. As we've seen it done in times past from other nations, it will just diminish. It'll just, and it's, it's close to it right now. It has happened before. It'll happen again if the church doesn't do something about it. where the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The only way, the only way oppression can prosper and drive out freedom from people's lives is the church did not release the spirit of God. Because where he is, there is liberty. There is freedom. So we need him. I got news for you. What America needs... Is a Pentecost. What America needs is a baptism in fire. What America needs is the glory of God. They need the Holy Spirit. They need the Spirit of God to move through this land in a powerful way, but somebody has to prepare the way. Now we can sit back and just assume hey, it's a big world, it's a lot of people. We're not the only thing out there. God's got other people, He'll get it done. Do you want to take that chance? Do you want to take that chance? I don't want to take that chance. He couldn't find anybody but one man in the entire world except Noah. And Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Well, if it's like it was in the days of Noah, God could only find one righteous man. That means this whole world ain't going to be full of a lot of righteous people that he can use. Right? And when it came to getting the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, out from under tyranny, oppression, get them into liberty, God could only find one man. And it took him, what, four or five hundred years? I think it's four hundred years to find that one man, Moses. And the Bible says he was the humblest man in the whole world. He was the humblest man. See, God looked the whole world over and he found one man that was humble enough. That's what the Bible says. He was humble enough for God to use in this powerful way. That's why I'm praying, Lord, make me the humblest man on the face of the earth. I need to be humble. Help me to be meek. Help me to fully depend on you, trust in you, not trust in the arm of the flesh, not worry about myself, and just be concerned with you and your kingdom coming, your will being done. God's looking. He's looking to show himself strong. He's looking. Apparently, he hasn't found too many people yet. I mean, he's done things. There's been pockets, you know, little pockets of moves of God, pockets of revival, pockets of manifestations. And some of those pockets consisted of millions of people, you know. God's done powerful things. No question about that. And he's doing powerful things. But we need some earth-shaking things right now because we see too much of Satan doing his thing. Is Satan doing too much of his thing? Yeah. He's already gone too far. He's, he should never have gotten this far. It should never have happened. Somebody better put their Holy Ghost foot down. Yeah. Come on. Amen. Somebody put their Holy Ghost foot down and say, enough is enough. Bless God. We're going to have a move of God. The fire of God's going to fall. The glory of God's going to come. And God wants to do it. So it's a matter of us getting into position. It's some folks preparing themselves for him to be able to move and manifest through their lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Say, sign me, up. sign me up. Amen. Set me on fire. Set me on fire. Me on fire. Me on fire. Burn, Holy Spirit. Burn. Burn, in Burn in my life. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now notice, this did not just happen because God in his sovereignty planned for it to happen. It was because people got into position to allow God to do this through their life. Let's not forget that. Because you got to go back to chapter 1 and see these folks prepared themselves. Jesus prepared them. And then when he ascended, they started preparing themselves today Jesus through the pastor or evangelist, whatever anointing's on me right now is preparing you but then there's some homework you gotta go home and do. Come on somebody The, the, the teacher can't do it all there's some things you're going ha- to have to go into your prayer closet. You're going to have to get alone with God. You're going to have to do due diligence to find out what needs to go overboard, what needs to get out of your life, what needs to be changed. It might be an attitude. It could be anything. But you let God search you. Search you and cleanse you and purify you. And you prepare yourself. You get yourself anointed with the Holy Spirit. You set your mind on him. Set your mind on things above and not be so carnally minded. Amen. You got to do some homework. It's not just, it's just not what we get. Thank God what we get at church. Thank God what we get at church, right? Thankful for what you get at church? Hallelujah? Yeah. But then then you got to do your due diligence. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Everybody say fire. That wasn't everybody. I said everybody say fire. fire. Come on, you got to get it in your mouth. Get in faith about this. Faith is in the heart and in the mouth. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice this. The power of God came in there, filled them up, and the first thing we see them doing is something totally supernatural. Totally supernatural. He fills them up, and now they are speaking in tongues. They are speaking in a heavenly language. Uh, It is so sad that... So many out there, commentaries. You can read commentaries from so-called Christians that know nothing about the power of God. Nothing about the power of God. And they'll tell you, they'll teach you that this is foreign languages that they were speaking so that the people could understand the message. Excuse me, uh, let me clarify. It was foreign languages. Languages. Foreign languages. In other words, it's more than one language. It's different languages. You know, it's Spanish, Chinese, whatever. They're speaking it all. Supernaturally, they're speaking foreign la- The apostles, excuse me. The apostles were speaking foreign languages so that people could understand the message. That's, that's what speaking in tongues is. Read some commentaries if you want to you make yourself feel not so good. I what a denial of the truth. What a denial ...of the truth, to say this is foreign languages... ...when I can give you tons of scripture... ...but I only have to really give you one scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Excuse me, chapter 14, verse 2. He who speaks in a tongue... ...does not speak to men. He who speaks in a tongue... ...does not speak to men... ...but to God. For no one... ...not the Chinese... ...not the Spanish... No one understands it. However, in the Spirit, he speaks... Myth. In the what? In the, in the flesh? No, no, no. In the Spirit, he speaks very different languages. Mysteries. See? He's speaking mysteries. It's one language. And it also tells us that the whole 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues. It wasn't just the apostles. That includes Mary. She was in there. She wasn't an apostle. She spoke in tongues. Fire came up, sat upon each and every one of them. They all spoke in tongues. But you see how human reasoning gets in there and tries to destroy the gospel, destroys the word of God in people's hearts and people's minds. So you have Christians walking around like empty cans. They got the label Christian, but you open it up and nothing comes out. It's empty. There's no power. There's nothing supernatural. No, 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 friend. This is a supernatural language. And it's not just for the apostles. And it wasn't just for that day because it's in the epistle written to the church at Corinth where Paul said, now you guys, I love that you're speaking in tongues. Um, I actually speak in tongues more than you all. And they were a tongue-talking bunch. So Paul was saying, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Paul wasn't even there on the day of Pentecost. He came later. He got saved later. He was actually persecuting the church. He said, you know, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he was trying to bring some balance to the church because they were just speaking in tongues all the time. They'd come to church just speaking in tongues. They were just so thrilled with speaking in tongues. They'd just come to church speaking in tongues. And then unbelievers or uninformed people would come in and they wouldn't understand what was going on. Paul said right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that if you do that, people are going to think you're crazy. You have to explain things to them. You're going to have to talk in a known language once in a while. You're going to have to speak by inspiration of the Spirit of God in a known tongue. He didn't say, don't speak in tongues in church. He didn't say that. That's another twisted doctrine. No, 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 no. He was just saying... Not, you just can't keep speaking in tongues. And I could tell you why they were speaking in tongues all the time. Well, he tells you in the first chapter of, of Corinthians. They came behind in no gift. They were moving in the manifestations of the Spirit of God. And speaking in tongues is the springboard into the manifestations of the Spirit of God. If I want to see more of the manifestations in my life, then i got to speak in tongues. Because it helps get me over into that helps me get me over into that flow where God can begin to do miraculous things, powerful things that he wouldn't be able to do unless I had yielded myself to the Spirit of God through speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, again, it prepares you for more, to take you deeper into the Spirit. We don't want to just be in the foyer of the Spirit. You understand? Some people, they just get in the door and go, shika, mahuta, shamata, kisita. And that's as far as they go. They just stand there in the floor and they just lean up against the door. And they don't go in and experience any more. But then see, they say, well, I, I speak a tongues. I believe I speak in speaking tongues. I don't think it's foreign languages. And so, praise God, I got, I got one up on these people on the other side of the door. But you're still leaning up against the door. Friend, there's so much more. There's so much more. We got to go on into the more. Of what we've been called for. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So they started speaking in tongues. Speaking to God. Praising, worshipping God. In this heavenly language. We need to be doing it more. We need to do some of that today. That's why we have prayer before service. We give people the opportunity. to Be praying in tongues. You know? Instead of just listening to Christian music. Which is questionable. I won't go there. Or maybe just a little bit. (laughs) How many people know there's Christian music that has Christian lyrics, but no spirit, no anointing? Then there's Christian music that the Holy Spirit is all over. And it's actually worship. It's actually praise. It isn't just music. You understand what I'm saying? And when you hear it, it pulls you into the presence of God. That anointing spills over on you as you sit there and praise and worship along with this music. See what I'm saying? So it's not just, it's got Christian lyrics, and it's the world. It sounds like the world, smells like the world. I mean, you might as well be reading commentaries about foreign languages. (laughs) I mean, you just might as well be doing that. Bless God, I can't even listen to that stuff. It's the world, I don't want that. I need God. I said I need God. We're in hot pursuit of Him. We don't, have time for, we don't have time to waste, folks. I've got news for you. Time's running out. Time's running out. And the days are evil. You and I need to get with the program. Kick it in high gear. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. We need God to light our fuse. Light a fire under our shamika. Yeah. I went into tongues on that. That's interesting. Just light a fire under us, Lord. Set me on fire. So we can go. Move. With the Spirit of God, quickly, 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 we need firepower. Somebody say, I need firepower. Firepower. Yeah, that's right. So you you get yourself in position for that, and you're doing that speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, speaking in this Holy Spirit language. And then, you know, what else happened? They were speaking in tongues. Of course, Peter got it preached. and, uh, And, of course, he said over in verse 39 concerning this promise of the Holy Spirit, He said, for the promise is to you. He's talking to thousands of people that had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. The promise is is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. See, this is why Jesus came. It's for all of us to have the power of the Spirit of God like Jesus had upon our life. That same power on Jesus is supposed to be on our lives. Glory to God. It's to you. It's to your children. To all who are far off. Future generations, we could say. As many as the Lord, our God, will call. See, all we got to do is answer the call. God's calling today. Let's answer the call. Let's answer the call to receive a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit. And be launched into the greater glory of God that we're to be walking in greater manifestations of the Spirit of God. And we immediately begin to see these greater manifestations as we go to Acts chapter 5 and continuing our series on the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 5. And notice in verse 12, it says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders, everybody say many. Many, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And then in verse 15, it says, And they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Verse 16, Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented with unclean spirits, demons, and they were all healed. Notice this. People are getting healed. We're in the fifth chapter. People getting healed. People getting delivered. Demons being cast out. I mean the same kind of stuff Jesus was doing. It's now being multiplied. It's multiplying. Now it's beginning to work through other people. Signs and wonders. Miracles. Healings. Working through his church. Working through his people. It starts with the apostles but then it continues to spread as we'll see here in just a moment. But the disciples are taken, they're apprehended, they're arrested, they're thrown into prison because of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And I love this. Verse 19 says, but at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. I haven't read any commentaries on that. I wonder what their definition of an angel is. I don't know. But but it's just for that day, I guess. Angels went out with the last apostle. No, 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 notice this. See, they're interacting with the supernatural. You don't know what Peter's doing in that prison. He's probably speaking in tongues. I'm sure he's just not sitting there. He's he's probably not just playing, I don't know, playing some kind of game in the dirt or something. He probably just is sitting there, you know. Today we have video games and stuff, but, you know, he might have been doing something with, with rocks or something. I doubt it. He was probably praying in tongues. Praying. Praying in tongues. And uh, he was interacting with the Holy Spirit, or we could say interacting with the spirit world. And he who speaks in tongues speaks the language of angels. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us. It's the language of angels. So now an angel comes. Maybe because he was speaking something in tongues that caused that angel to come. See, I'm just telling you. We're talking about a supernatural life now. He tells us over in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, that uh, to entertain strangers. For some, verse 2, chapter 13, verse 2, Hebrews. Do not forget to entertain strangers. He's talking to us, church. For by so doing, some have unwittingly or unknowingly Entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Isn't that interesting? Peter was in chains in prison. An angel came. Here he tells us, hey guys, church, don't forget to entertain angels. Be on the lookout. Because it could be an angel. Because, see, we're a tongue-talking group of people. We speak that heavenly language. We speak the language of angels. So you can expect angelic assistance angelic assistance to operate in your life. Thank God. You know, he's given everybody angels to watch over them. But friend, when you can speak their language, you can really get some help. You can really get some help. Now, I can share with you some stories, some encounters. I had one in particular, total angel, manifested as a person and helped me get into a place that I wasn't able to get into. But believe me, my friend, I was speaking in tongues a lot. Because I knew I was supposed to get into that place. And an angel came and got me in there. He was a little guy. But I won't go into those details. Most of you know the story. How many people know the story? Yeah. But uh, angels want to help us. They want to help us. Should we be surprised by that? If the Holy Spirit, who is God, is our helper. He's called the helper. If he's been given to us to help us, is it a big deal if an angel helps you? Now, know, there's no comparison between an angel and the Holy Spirit who's God. No comparison. Now, some, lang- some, uh, excuse me, some religions get that confused. God and angels, people that live for God, you know, these are all just like God. No, 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 no. There's God, and then there are his children, and then there are his servants. Angels are servants. They're even below the children of God. They're actually called to minister for us, who are heirs of salvation. We're the children of God. Amen. So is it any big deal? No, no. So it wasn't here. I mean, we just read it. Here it is. And why is this written? So we understand. This is what God does. God can deliver you out of any situation. Any situation. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We are are able to connect with the heavenly supernatural realm. See, I, I, know, I know this other realm. It's how I ended up getting saved. See, I was into the martial arts, and I was watching these Bruce Lee kind of guys that were always meditating and, uh, and tapping into some, some power. Some were able to hover. Some were able to do all kinds of supernatural things. I didn't know they were doing it by demon power, but they were. And But I didn't know that, so then I began to investigate it, and started getting into meditation. And through meditation, I got over into astral projection, which enabled me to actually leave my body, which led me into another world, into another realm. That's very real. And I came in contact with demons, evil spirits. They tried to possess me. They tried to possess me. thank God, I called out to God. He sent a laborer into my path. Her name was Elena. She shared Jesus with me. Praise God when I heard that name, the name of her, my whole life. When she said that name to this hungry heart that wanted the truth, I went home that night and said, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Oh, praise God. And then when I started hearing about the power of God, healing and deliverance and manifestations of the Spirit, well, yeah. If the devil can manifest... If I can sit there and go, hum, I didn't actually hum, but I did breathe. You know, like deep breathing. I did do certain things, you know, to to invoke this experience. If if, if I can do that spiritually dead, my Lord, what can I do now? We're talking about God here. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. God doesn't want to possess you, but he wants you to partner with him. He's not going to overthrow your will like a demon will. A demon will overthrow your will. Make you go crazy. Make you act stupid. You know it's stupid, but you can't stop doing it. You just can't stop being stupid because you got a demon. Simple. Did he say, I have a demon? Oh, I didn't, I didn't call you anybody out in particular. Did that fit? Get ready to get set free. This angel comes and delivers him out of prison. Praise God. And so, anyway, uh, the disciples end up back in front of the council, and they end up getting rebuked, and the council ends up beating them. Can you imagine beating these guys who just escaped from prison supernaturally, and yet you're still so arrogant you can't even see it? That's, that's how, darkness, how dark the darkness can be. When a person can't see, they can't see. You can just forget about it. It don't matter if an angel appears. It don't matter if God does something, translates you out of a prison into, into the temple. It, it doesn't matter what kind of super miracles, healings. It doesn't matter who gets out of the wheelchair. It don't matter. It doesn't matter if the dead are raised. If they're blind, they're blind. If God don't open their eyes, they don't see. So that we leave up to God. I said that we leave up to God. We got to tri- watch about being, trying to be too tactful so that we don't offend anybody. And we just win everybody to Jesus, you know, in a nice, peace, calmly way. No, no, we're going to do it God's way. I said, we're going to do it God's way. And it could be messy. It could be messy. The day of Pentecost was pretty messy. I mean, people thought they were drunk. They mocked, saying, these guys are drunk. Says so the mockers. They're on the outside looking in. They're drunk. Peter had to stand up and say, well, we're drunk, but we're not like you think. It's not on alcohol, but it's on the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be drunk? Intoxicated? Overcome? It's time to be overcome with him. Not just do a little Shandai Rondai, untie my bow tie. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm talking about speaking in tongues too. You're intoxicated, you know what I'm saying? Just you don't care about anything anymore. I remember, you know, I I was going to a Bible school out there in Oklahoma, and, and on Friday nights there was a certain minister that had these special meetings. And we had heard about him, prophet of God, really flowed in the things of the Spirit. So we said, well, let's go out there. So we went there, went to the meetings. And I remember the first time we met him, he was, he got up on the platform. He was a drunk. He was an absolute drunk, but not on wine, not on alcohol. He wasn't doing, he wasn't doing physical drugs, you know, natural drugs, but he was out there. And he got up there and he said, pray in six hours in the Holy Spirit, I don't care about anything anymore. (laughs) And it wasn't just like, you're watching this guy. It was like, it was getting all over you. It was just like, you walked out of the meeting. I don't care about anything anymore. <laughs> it's like, you know, he, what he, he started serving what he was drinking for six hours. Praise God forever. Thank God for church. Thank God for special meetings where you can come and somebody can just give you a drink of everything God's been filling them up with and preparing them with to be able to minister to you. And who he specially anoints them with to help you. That's what happens at church. It's a supernatural. This is not a lecture. This isn't a lecture. You're not here to get lectured. You're here to get life. And that more abundantly. An infusion. An infusion of life and power into your inner being. Now I understand sometimes, you know, you get up to minister and people have been so on the outside, you know, so in the flesh. that That's not an insult to anybody. It's just, well, it is, but... Fix it. The nice guy I mean, always tries to fix things, you know. But, you know, people sometimes... So you're up here and you're, you're trying to infuse, but you can't get the needle in. You know what I'm saying? You got to get... You need know, to go to the hospital, the IV. You ever, you, ever, you ever see somebody, you know, some of these nurses trying to get an IV in a person? It's like, oh, I missed the veins. It's like, oh, okay. Let me, let me see if there's another one. No, I missed that one too. It's like, Turn you into a pin cushion. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? We gotta get this IV in you. So then they tie stuff around your wrist and they stop the blood circulating, <laughs> squeeze it real tight, and they like poking around. Say, like, "Oh, I, oh, I got a good one! I got a good one!" Thirty minutes into the service, got it. Oh, God's doing something today. Huh. <laughs> Oh yeah. I don't care about much anymore. (laughs) Oh Praise God. Some of you need a bag change, you know. Some of you even walk around you know at the pole and bag hanging on the pole. I was filled with the Holy Spirit several years ago. Can I see that? That's nasty. That's nasty. That, that, that's actually an infection. That's not the power of God. No, I'm really feeling it. No, that's an infection. That's not the power of God. That's, you're being infected by religion. You've become a religious, stale, walking dead person with a Christian Holy Ghost bag. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is immediate care. Just go ahead and put your arm out there. Put your arm out there. Because you're in immediate care. Lift up your hand to the Lord. Say, Lord, give me a fresh needle. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead, plunge in there. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Can you imagine that? I heard one religious man. <laughs> very popular. He was, uh, he said a lot of great things. He was teaching the word. He was teaching the word. And they talked about these special meetings that were coming to Louisville. And uh, they asked him about these special meetings where people have their blind eyes open, deaf ears hear, people get out of wheels, miracles happen, healings, amazing miracles. And so they said to this man who's never seen a Nazi healed, Probably. They asked him about that, and they said, well, uh, he's just too flamboyant. He's flamboyant. We find that dangerous. The minister's too flamboyant. I mean, you know, folks like that make you not want to wear shoes like that. (laughs) You know? He's too flamboyant. You know, that's dangerous. What about the healings and the miracles? Are you kidding me? We're going to talk about his personality and how he expresses the things of God? You're uptight about his expressing the things of God and denying the power of God? My goodness. I tell you, religion is sick. Religion is sick. And if you're religious, you're sick. You got the infection. But we'll help you. God's helping some folks today. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. And people know we need help. We need help. Thank God. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. So they went out from that place. Peter and the other apostles, they went out. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were Counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They had just been beaten and they rejoiced. You talk about the power of God. Beaten and rejoiced that they suffered shame for his name. And then you go into chapter 6 and you find a man by the name of Stephen. And the Bible says there was Stephen, Philip, and five other guys. There was seven all together. And the apostles laid hands on them. Notice this, verse 6 of chapter 6. It says, whom they set before the apostles. They set the seven before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. They laid hands on them. See, there's a transferring of power. It's going to move out now beyond the apostles. We're talking about miracles, healings, all kinds of things. We see that verse 8. And Stephen, he was just a layman in the church. He got involved in the helps ministry. Stephen, full of faith and power. Did great wonders and signs among the people. Did what? Great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 15 of chapter 6 says, And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Now, you know, a face of an angel, a lot of folks think, Oh, he must have been cute. He must have had nice big red rosy cheeks. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't just have red, rosy cheeks. The Bible says over in Daniel, I think it's Daniel chapter 6, that an angel appeared to him. And his face was like the face of his countenance, like, the, like lightning. Like, and in other words, he was lit up. This man is lit up with the glory of God. And then Stephen ends up preaching a great message in chapter 7. We won't get into that whole message. But then you come over to chapter 8. And the other layman in the church that the apostles laid their hands on. The Bible says in verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. See, now, Philip's walking in that power. Philip's walking in the power. And then the Bible says in verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, you know, that Philip had just preached, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were kind of perplexed. Spirit hadn't fallen on these folks yet. You know, you read over in Acts chapter 10, where Peter began to preach to a man by Cornelius and his household. And as he was was preaching, the Holy Spirit just fell on them. And they all began to speak in tongues. Power of God came upon their life. I'm telling you, when the gospel is being preached, the power of God needs to come upon our lives. Got to recognize it. Be looking for it. Got to be expecting it. Because again, you can miss it. You can miss it if you're not spiritually tuned into it. But we're getting tuned in, aren't we? So they sent Peter and John down there and said, well, the Holy Spirit hasn't fallen on those people yet. They're getting miracles. There's deliverances, healing. A lot of them got saved. But you need to go down there and get your hands on these people. So the Bible says, verse 15, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit is to be normal. It's to be normal for you and I. Can you say amen? Amen. This is what God has for you. That same fire on the day of Pentecost continues through the book of Acts and it's to continue to to this day. And it is continuing. But we need greater fire today than ever before because we're walking in a time of greater darkness like never before. Do you believe that? How many people have faith in the great darkness? You believe, you know, this is, oh yeah, amen, great darkness, great, how about great glory? How about great glory upon, oh yeah, this is the time of the great glory, we know it's the time of the great darkness, how about, this is the time of the great glory? This is the time, this is the time, and we're the people, this is the time, and we're the people, for the glory of God. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, let's stand on our feet, let's thank God for
0: his great glory, his great power.